Hi there, I'm Aaron Ironside. Welcome to Active Intelligence, the show where we promise to give you some balance rather than bias as we take a look at the big issues of the day and let you decide for yourself rather than be told what to think. And today, the issue is one that's right before us in the Parliament, conversion therapy. What's it all about? Why do we need a law to ban the practice in New Zealand? Let's engage some active intelligence. On today's episode, I caught up with Leah Gray, a lady who spent around a decade living the lesbian lifestyle and then decided it was time for a change. She got some help and it worked these days. She's married with children and saying she's finally living the life that makes her happy. But many of the things that helped her would be outlawed under the current conversion therapy ban that's just passed its first reading in Parliament. Well, let's take a look at conversion therapy, not here, but first in the US, where it's the draconian, weird, quasi-therapeutic practices that cause many people to be concerned, partly because they didn't sound or look much like therapy, and worst of all, those who went through the practices were coerced, where young people exploring their sexuality, struggling with same-sex attraction, suddenly find themselves the victims of conversion therapy. I felt like they got like some sort of weird joy out of torturing children. So I came out to my parents when I was 15. They kicked me out of the house. A couple weeks later, they told me I was gonna go stay with my grandparents for a few weeks. And instead they dropped me off at a conversion therapy camp where they signed over their parental rights and guardianship to this family who promised to make me straight. Conversion therapy is the idea that you can use physical pain and emotional pain to make somebody change their sexual orientation. For me, a lot of the therapy was wearing a backpack full of rocks to feel the physical burden of being gay. This family made me face a wall for sometimes up to 18 hours. When I kept fighting, they would add more rocks and then more rocks and more rocks. Got up to be 40 pounds. And they didn't start taking rocks out until I decided to give up on fighting and start playing along. There were two boys there when I first got there that both identified as gay. They had to fight each other to be more manly. And if they weren't hitting each other hard enough, then the man who helped run the conversion therapy camp would step in and do the punching for them. So it was in their best interest to hit each other as hard as they could. Went to the same church as my grandparents every single Sunday and they were told that for this conversion therapy to work, they couldn't look at me and they couldn't speak to me. That was really, really, really hard. It made me feel like God was punishing me. I felt like that I couldn't change being a lesbian, but that I could just conceal it. I was finally allowed to go to school after eight months. I wasn't going to tell anybody what was going on because every single time I reached out for help, it just backfired. And then one day they got a call saying that I had been late to one of my classes. And so they told me I couldn't go to school anymore and 
I had to put the backpack on and face the wall. I stood there for about seven hours and they fell asleep and I, I just left. I didn't take anything. It's like three in the morning. Um, I hid in some bushes until the buses started running. And then when I got to the high school, I immediately went to my English teacher and we called the police. Well, there's no doubt at all that that conversion therapy is wrong. First of all, it ain't therapy, is it, folks? No therapy involves putting rocks in a backpack or getting people to fight each other. That's quackery. That's not therapy. That's appalling. And worst of all, of course, the poor young person was coerced forced to attend and there's no doubt that this is wrong. So I don't think many of us should have and do have any problems with the fact that this would be unlawful. But the reach of this new law extends far beyond that, so that any attempts to seek help for sexuality-related issues would be deemed a crime, even if that's what you really want. And of course, those who are proposing this law make it sound like the practices we've just heard about are rife in New Zealand, but it's just not true. It's just not happening here. In fact, an official Information Act request revealed that there only been one informal complaint about conversion therapy. No formal complaints. It's just not happening like that in New Zealand. And so, of course, the media went hunting, went looking for someone, and the best they could find, the closest they could find, was Nelson Councillor David Riddell from Living Wisdom. Now, I know David personally. In fact, I've even attended his courses. And I promise you, he does not practice conversion therapy. In fact, David is often an uncomfortable person even among the Christian community because Dave doesn't believe that people choose to be gay. He says in over 30 years he's never met a gay person who was choosing to be gay. But nor does he buy into the genetic determinism that is the only other option and the one, of course, that the rainbow community holds fast to, which is, well, if we are born this way, you shouldn't attempt to change us. So what does David Riddell actually believe about helping people who want to explore their sexuality? Well, he believes that every human being has gone on a unique journey to discover themselves as a sexual being. We've all had experiences, experiences that either traumatized us or we liked or we didn't like that began to shape the way we saw ourselves as a sexual person. And that he believes that sexuality issues fall in the wide, wide basket of issues where human beings aren't happy with themselves. People are going to recognise themselves in this to some degree. After all, when you think about it, whose uh, sexual identity woke up without any misadventure? Mm. Of all the people listening in now, as they yeah. think back over what awoke their erotic identity, mm. who has got a misadventure-free awakening? Yeah. You know, there's unfortunate incidents, there's misadventure, there's trauma, there's abuse. Mm -hmm. And our sexuality is not free of those things. It takes yeah. the punishment, just like every other part of our being. So I don't distinguish conversion therapy, which is a horrible name because it's not really accurate. But I don't uh, distinguish... What, what, what do you mean by conversion therapy? Well, gay conversion therapy has all sorts of um, movie-based uh, images mm -hmm. that really muddy the field for any therapist. Yes. Uh, there's coercion, there's bullying, there's pressure, there's religious pressure, there's Bible pressure, there's ugly, dominating uh, figures in religion bullying people out of their same-sex orientation. It's just horrific. 
And how yeah. effective is that? Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> but no fruit. Oh, it's, no, no, it's all never going to work, is it? Base, it's never going to work because it's a volitional solution. Yeah. And a volitional solution means try harder to be somebody you're not. Yeah. Whereas I'd rather talk about a false self and an authentic self and the way that the child starts living out of a false self while the authentic self is left to starve. Mm. Because false self is built on survival kits, yeah. defense mechanisms. Yeah. You know, when a child starts fantasizing, they're setting themselves up for later a pornography addiction. Yeah. But that fantasizing is already false self beginning yeah. to kick in. Uh, when a person's trying to be somebody they're not, they're always bragging or boasting or trying to be better than they are. They're moving into false self. Yeah. When a person is in escapism all the time, or when a person is constantly trying to get approval, they're yeah. moving into false self. Yeah. And a, a same-sex or opposite-sex identities can also be that false self. If yeah. life doesn't work for me as a boy, then damn it, I'll be a girl. And if I hate being a girl, then damn it, I'll be a boy. So David Riddell, he occupies this middle ground. He doesn't believe in the born gay. He doesn't believe in the chose to be gay. He believes that people are formed and those experiences shape them. And unfortunately, it means that sometimes they're left with bruises and with brokenness that can respond to therapy. Now, not everybody wants therapy and that's fine. If you're happy with your gay lifestyle, more power to you. It's a free world. You can live the life you want to live. But what if you're not happy with it? What if it's something you'd like to explore, something you'd like to change? Well, like I said, the new law before the parliament says that would be unlawful. It would be unlawful for your pastor to pray with you. It would be unlawful for parents to try and redirect young children who are looking at things like puberty blockers uh, because that's deemed to be transphobic on behalf of the parent. Even though in the world of psychology, of course, we know that your prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that can think about the future, that can make wise choices, doesn't finish developing until your mid-twenties. You shouldn't be making any big decisions about your life when you're 12. We don't let you drive. We don't let you vote. Uh, we don't let you drink alcohol. We don't let you marry. But apparently you can decide to change your gender. That seems weird. But what about change? Is it even possible? Because, of course, in the DNA of this issue, the LGBTQ plus community are determined to say, because these issues are, in fact, genetic, the reason therapy should be off limits to everybody is that it just doesn't work ever, ever, ever because you can't change the way you really are. That's why I thought it was important to catch up with Leah Gray, who has changed. And I asked her, was her experience of the gay lifestyle a bit like we see in the movies? The woman who has the drunken lesbian kiss while at college. She said it was far more serious than that. Uh, look, uh, yeah, I think we, we live in a world where we explore anything, don't we? But um, yeah, certainly for me, it was... Um, it was just a case of becoming more and more aware throughout my childhood that, yeah, maybe maybe I was attracted to, to girls and women uh, rather than boys. And, um, yeah, the more I just tried to ignore it and think that 
it would just disappear. Um, actually, the, the the more intense it got. Um, so yeah, I, I I just thought it would would go away, but it didn't. And um, and I tried to resist the feelings as much as I could, but uh, in the end, I thought no, this just isn't going away. And and I yeah, I did enter into um, yeah various uh, lesbian relationships. Uh, yeah, that I I guess I I became aware that. Um, while it did sort of fulfil for a period of time, uh, it wasn't um, what I was hoping for. <laughs> you know, those those sort of feelings of yeah weren't being satisfied. As, at this longing and and chasing after what I was pursuing uh, wasn't being met. So yeah, it it, it wasn't a fling. Uh, it was it was over the course of uh, many years. But uh, yeah, that, that's sort of my background. Well, take me back to, to childhood and to that moment where perhaps you tell your family you, you come out. What was that like? What was the journey like in terms of exploring these feelings that said somehow you were different? Yeah, to be honest, uh, I kept my feelings pretty private. I, I didn't even uh, mention it to a soul and that was probably uh, my own undoing in some ways. I, I, I regret that now. Um, so. So I, I, I never really came out um, <clears throat> and my family only really became aware of it uh, much further down the road when, when I was able to, um, I guess, experience some change in my life. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, in terms of sort of my, my own coming out to myself, you know, um, yeah, that, that, was, that was certainly, like I said, it was, I'd resisted it for so long and then um, I thought, no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try this out and give this a go. Um, and and yeah, I guess there is a feeling of um, you know excitement and and uh, relief to say, oh, finally I'm I'm sort of living out these feelings. Um, I, I guess anyone would experience that after you know holding it in for so long. In terms of uh, resisting, I mean, why resist? We live in a world that says, if you feel like doing it, you should do it. <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, uh, yeah, there were probably many reasons why I did. I mean, probably the main one, uh, which is probably most controversial, but it, it was because I had a faith. My, my faith beliefs uh, were, were strong and I, I wanted to, to remain uh, yeah, faithful to, to, to my God and 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 so I I I, I believed and understood uh, that God's design for homose- human sexuality um, was was to yeah to live uh, in a heterosexual relationship or that that was His design um, and so I I actually growing up I wanted that uh, but my feelings contradicted that didn't it so um, yeah there was there was uh, I guess a, a natural uh, sort of res- wrestle within me. Um, but I was, I mean, I'm not sure how, 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 you know, we'll get to that later, but sort of understanding why there was that wrestle within me um, brought a lot of clarity later on, but yeah. Well, as a child, of course, though, it's, it's hard to have that insight and clarity. I mean, how did you make sense of it growing up that on the one hand, you thought that you know, God wanted men and women to be together, but you didn't fancy men? How could you understand such a thing? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was confusing at the time, and I guess this is uh, well, my my faith meant a lot to me. I mean, I, I I had a very deep relationship with God, and I still do today. Um, 
But, you know, as with all our faith, you know, we, we go through various times of not knowing the answers to things. And um, that, that was just a part of my, I, I, I accepted that as just something that I would grow and, and mature into, and, and which I did. Um, but, yeah, at the time I, I did think, you know, I did question, well, God, hey, why did you, I also had gender confusion, so why did you make me a girl? I thought I should have been a boy. And, and B, why do I have these feelings that, um, from what I understand, is not what you created. So, of course, there was confusion, but I was, um, I was like I said, continually growing in my faith and, and, and you know, able to sort of work through that over the course of many years. Those who oppose the idea that one should explore changing their sexuality if they're not happy with it would say, well, things like religious ideas, they just put pressure on people. They make people feel bad about the way they really are when really they should feel good about the way they are. Was there a sense in which faith was making you feel bad? Oh, I don't think it was. I wouldn't say it was was making me feel bad, um, because there was a, there were a lot of elements to my faith that actually did the complete opposite. You know, my my faith was extremely um, uh, it gave me great hope and peace. And I think when your faith does that, you're you're able to sort of work through these these sort of elements of faith that that are a bit of a mystery. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say that at all. But um, it was. Uh, yeah, I, I, like we all experience through through our developing and and maturing and growing up, there, there can be just confusing elements in our in our life that uh, don't really make sense, but they 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 make sense later on. So you fully embrace the lesbian lifestyle, the gay lifestyle. You have some relationships, but somewhere along the lines, there's this dawning realization that it's in a sense it's not working, it's not fulfilling, it's not filling up that hole inside of your heart. But take us to that moment, that turning point. I mean, it takes in a sense courage to try this new life, particularly knowing that your faith and, and I suspect your family wouldn't have approved. Uh, what was the turning point? When did you decide? You know what? Actually. I want to go back. Yeah, and that's um, there definitely was a turning point, and and like we've talked a lot about my faith, but that was just one uh, reason why I wanted to to leave the lesbian identity. Um, I guess there, there came a point where the relationships I had been involved in. Uh, and again, I talk from my own experience. I'm not saying that this is everyone's experience, but for me, they were um, quite uh, oppressive and, and I began to realise that they were starting to damage not just myself, but I was damaging others. It was an unhealthy relationship. Um, sort of, uh, there was a lot of codependency uh, going on and and not just within my relationships, but I could see it in surrounding uh, lesbian relationships and gay relationships um, and, and also some of the promiscuity that was again surrounding uh, just just in the, the circles that I was involved with um, and and so yeah I guess I just began to realize hmm, this is this is actually not the the, the gay life that, that I was uh, that I'd, I'd sort of anticipated or what I'd heard about um, and, and I would also say that there were just practical things where I just thought, hmm, it's not what I was hoping for in the future. For instance, I, I actually began to have a, a real desire to have my own children. Uh, that was definitely not something I had ever 
considered uh, when I was growing up in my teens and early 20s, but something happened and I, I saw my brother have children and, and I thought, hmm, that's actually a really, um, yeah, something that, that sort of began a flame within me. And, and um, uh, I know I can appreciate that, that many lesbian couples do have kids, uh, but I just wanted to share my own biological children uh, with, with my future partner. And um, so it was just many, one of the many reasons why, why I thought I'd actually like to pursue a, a life out of this lesbian identity. We're sold this narrative that there is no way to undo this. You cannot be gay in one season of life and then decide to be heterosexual in another. You're, of course, proof that that narrative isn't true. But how does it happen? Uh, can you pray the gay away? I mean, how did you come to this place of being able to turn your life around? Uh, I think the, the term pray the gay away is uh, one that I'm very cautious about, to be honest. Uh, uh, of course, the prayer ha has power, um, but it's not as simple as just praying the gay away. And uh, But I think that, that through uh, a lot of uh, support and uh, conversation and, and counsel, therapy if you want to call it, uh, that, that I was able to pursue and access, uh, yeah, there is... There is possibility for many who, who desire this change. Uh, change will look different for, for many people. There's a variety of, of change uh, that people experience. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's very individual. Um, but, but for me, I experienced a lot of uh, much change through just conversation with friends and, um, and yeah, a lot of prayer, but also just conversation with psychologists. And uh, it, was, it was deeply impactful and um, something I'm very grateful that I was able to access. So yes, change is possible. I know many people who have uh, gone through this change and, and been much better for it. They, they claim uh, their, their lives are, are very much benefited from this change. So we can see that part of your well-being was spiritual, part of it was emotional. What were some of the key insights and ideas that now when you look back help you understand that earlier period and gave you the strength to make the change? Yeah, look, um, the, the psychologists that I saw, they were just able to um, unravel, I guess, some of the, the insecurities that I was experiencing, um, some of the um, yeah, I would I would call the, the untruths that I'd sort of taken on and and, and held on to, um, and and so I guess I mean there there are many of those, so I, I won't bore you with them all, but just just some of the the sort of core uh, beliefs that I that I um, yeah t taken on just in who I was and um, and how how I sort of saw others perceive me etc. Um, just just working through some of these uh, these things actually just made made my life a lot clearer and and helped truth to shine through um and so yeah i i think there's there's like you've said there's there's spiritual there's emotional there's, there's practical things that that we can just really draw on that that help us to just further understand uh, why we're feeling certain things um and and sort of take navigate from there well your dream of being married with children has become a reality but how long did it take 
<laughs> well, I I didn't expect it. Uh, you know, I, I was very much after this sort of change that I experienced. I was very happy living uh, just just in my uh, yeah new new freedom and new life. Uh, and so I, I, I was very comfortable for a couple of years and then uh, I met a, a wonderful guy um, actually in my hockey club and, uh, and I, again, I didn't expect anything to happen but, of course, uh, we yeah, just developed a really strong connection and, um, yeah, so within uh, I think about four years we were, we were married and, uh, yeah, now we've got two beautiful children. So, um, yeah, wonderful thing. Does being married with children live up to the hype? Is it finally the case that you have what you were looking for? Look, I, I, I'll say that uh, um, while we're on this earth, I think nothing can complete us uh, the, the way uh, I think a, a relationship with God can. Um, but very much so, my, my marriage is um, the most content and secure relationship that I've ever had. Um, and, and something that I'm very grateful for. So, um, yeah, there are always challenges. There are always, uh, you know, hurdles to get over and, and um, so things for me me to, to grow in as well as, you know, as, as a couple. Uh, but it's, it's very much uh, what I, yeah, what I'd hoped in, in a married relationship and I'm very grateful for it. Well, as we finish today, let's talk about the law around conversion therapy that is really the one that has many of us concerned. We understand that any kind of therapeutic practice involving coercion, that's out of line, and that some of the things that are being called therapy aren't any kind of therapy at all. But there are a couple of situations in particular I'd like to hear your thoughts about. One is well, essentially your own story under the proposed law here in New Zealand, simply asking a counsellor to help you explore your sexuality because you're unhappy with same-sex attraction would be a potential crime. And for a parent, taking your child to a therapist like that would equally be criminal. And indeed, if uh, your young child asked to be put on puberty blockers, saying that that's not something that you'd like to see happen would be a crime. These things don't sound like crimes. No, they don't. And, and I think particularly when people are consensually pursuing uh, that type of help and support, it's, um, it's staggering that we're we are denying people that right and self-determination to be able to pursue uh, what they're wanting. Um, and yeah, you're right with, with parents. Um, it's, it's terrible that this is being looked upon as criminal um, because yeah, the, the parents are, are doing this out of complete love and, and care for their children and they know their children better than anyone. Um, and so yeah, it's, it's staggering that, that these laws are, are making such, um, uh, yeah, normal and, and wonderful uh, positions of responsibility that are actually the fabric of our society, you know, with, with, with good solid homes and parents make, being able to uh, adequately influence their children, um, all of a sudden it's being turned on them and, and they're unable to, to be able to parent. It's, it's quite hor horrific. So there you go, Leah Gray is proof positive that people can change. It might be rare, it might be true that not everybody changes, but heck, not everybody gets cured of cancer, but we don't stop treating them just because it isn't 100% effective. 
And most importantly, Leah wanted to change. And why shouldn't she be free to pursue the life that makes her happy? After all, the whole point of the conversion therapy law is to say that views shouldn't be imposed upon people. You know, parents shouldn't be imposing their values, their morals on young gay teenagers and forcing them to be somebody that they're not. And yet this law says, actually, now you'd be forced to be gay instead of forced not to be, if that isn't what you want to be. I thought that you were allowed to pursue the life that you thought would make you happy. And you should be free to do that. And obviously, if it can't change, it won't change. And so you should be able to at least do the experiment and see if therapy might help with the issue. I can't believe some of the comparisons that are made to justify why even consensual therapy where someone is choosing should be off limits. I've heard it compared to the idea that people want to drunk drive, but they shouldn't be allowed to and they're not allowed to just because they want to. Well, I don't know what the comparison there is. One reckless moment of choice whilst drunk is not the same as someone who's finding themselves in a lifestyle that's not making them happy and they want to pursue change. They should be allowed to pursue change. And parents, my goodness, they have a burden, a duty of care, a responsibility towards their children. Remember, the same children who are thinking that they have some kind of gender identity issue are the same children who get their left and their right confused, who still don't tie their shoelaces correctly every time. I mean, they're children. We expect them to be confused about lots of parts of life. That's what mum and dad are there for, to help guide, to help direct, and certainly to realise that making choices that are going to affect the rest of your life is such a serious thing. We should wait to do that to make sure that it really is what you want. So you're going to have to have your say. Select committee process is underway, uh, but that means get in touch with your local politician and say, this law is nuts. It's trying to solve a problem that doesn't even exist in New Zealand. But I want to be clear, coercion and quackery, they are wrong. But pursuing the life that would make you happy, that's the right of every Kiwi. Love to hear your thoughts. Heard anything about conversion therapy? Have you had an experience, good, bad, or otherwise, around this topic? Activeintelligence.nz is the website. Make sure you hit subscribe. That way we can send you the episodes every week. And we'll catch you next time on Active Intelligence.